No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Queen Jezebel threatens to kill Elijah for killing her prophets. This makes him so afraid that he runs to Mount Sinai where he has an unforgettable encounter. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 1 Kings chapter 19 on Simply the Bible. The greatest men of God have at times been discouraged. The Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, battled with bouts of depression. David felt as though he was sinking down into deep mire with the waters coming around his neck. John Bunyan, author of Pilgrim's Progress, spoke of the slough or the swamp of despond. In my early 20s, I struggled with depression for about two years. Perhaps you have come to a place of discouragement or depression where you feel that no one understands and there is no way out. The good news is that God doesn't throw us on the scrap heap. Some of his best instruments have needed time off the field and in the shop. His strongest warriors have at times fallen ill and found themselves beaten by a microorganism they can't even see. And then there are those overt threats from a formidable enemy who is too strong for us. It is in this situation that our protagonist prophet Elijah found himself. We continue in 1 Kings chapter 19. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. It is often the case that after a great and momentous victory comes a huge spiritual attack. Elijah had just experienced the greatest victory of his ministry. On Mount Carmel, he had shown that the Lord was God by calling down fire from heaven, consuming the sacrifice, and the people all shouted, The Lord is God! And then they took the 450 prophets of Baal who had been eating at Jezebel's table, and they killed them all. And when Jezebel heard about it, she wanted to kill Elijah and made no bones about it that his life was as good as dead. And at that point, Elijah, this great man of God who had just experienced such a great victory, panicked. He was full of fear. He ran away. Not only did he run out of Jezreel and Israel, he ran all the way down to Beersheba in the south part of Judah, leaving his servant behind. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Elijah was swept away from his homeland by fear. So how appropriate that now he would be sitting under a broom tree. Elijah despaired of life itself. 
Moses had once been in the same place when he was overwhelmed with the murmuring and complaining of the people. And he said, God, if this is the way it's going to be, then just take me now. Elijah was also ready for that ultimate retirement. And resting in peace seemed preferable to him to running from Jezebel's sword. But often when we are upset, we say things that we don't really mean. Elijah said, take my life. But if he really wanted to die, then he could have just stayed in Jezreel and Jezebel would have handled that for him without a problem. Then he said, I know better than my father's. But did God ever ask him to be better than his father's or just faithful to him? Then he lay and he slept under a broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And then he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. You know, years ago, after Hurricane Katrina hit, I went along with a team to New Orleans, and we were working with an organization there that did disaster relief. And they said, it's so easy as you are in just the moment of ministering to people and the the certain adrenaline that comes with that, that you can keep going past the point of exhaustion and you start getting cranky. You start getting irritable because you haven't had sleep. You haven't had food. The best thing you can do is just stop and sleep and eat. And that's exactly what Elijah did here. He was discouraged. He was upset. So he slept. An angel came and strengthened him and made food for him and said, look, you need to eat. You need to strengthen yourself because the journey is too great for you. The angel knew that Elijah was heading to Mount Horeb, that is Mount Sinai, the mountain of God, a 200-mile journey. And so he, he fed him, strengthened him, and then Elijah went. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. You see, Elijah had come to that point where he had had enough. If we were to counsel him and give him a label, we would say that, He was suffering from ministry burnout and he just wanted to just fly away, just take himself out of commission. But he didn't really answer the Lord's question because God said, what are you doing here? And really, he was doing nothing there. He was just sitting. Uh, But that's not what he said. He answered why he was there and he was very defensive about it. I've been zealous for you. The children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars, killed the prophets, and I'm the only one left. And not only was he just discouraged, but now he was falling into that slump of self-pity. And then the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. 
and after the earthquake a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Now, it's interesting how all this came about. You know, Elijah had been in this great epic event, calling down fire from heaven, consuming the offering. He said that that the Lord was turning the hearts of the people back to him. And yet, after Ahab had witnessed this, perhaps Elijah had thought that Ahab would turn to the Lord, but that didn't happen. Ahab went home, told Jezebel. Jezebel didn't turn to the Lord. Instead, she wanted to kill the prophets of the Lord, namely Elijah. And so nothing went the way that he had thought. And when things don't go the way you expect them to, that can lead to discouragement. But here, it's as though God was telling Elijah, look, Elijah, it's not in these big, mighty works. It's not in the the big epic events. It's not in the earthquake, the fire, or the wind. That's not where the Lord speaks to you, Elijah. And and at this point, Elijah had lost sight of the Lord. He wasn't listening to the Lord. He was taking counsel from his fears. He stopped inquiring of the Lord. And and as, as though the Lord was saying, look, Elijah, I'm going to speak to you in the quiet place, in the still, small voice. When you're not running, you're not panicking, it's not in these big, huge events, it's not in these great, big threats from Jezebel, it's just in the quiet place as you seek me and I whisper to you the words you need to hear. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. He, he still didn't answer the question. He it just says why he's there. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah. You shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So Elijah took himself out of commission. The Lord recommissioned him, said, you know, go back. Go back the way you came. Go back to where you got off track. Get back into the game, Elijah. But God gave to him some very important help. He was to anoint Hazael, who was a king over Syria, a Gentile king, and yet the Lord is sovereign in the kingdoms of men. And then he was to anoint Jehu, who would be the next king of Israel in Ahab's place. And then he would also anoint Elisha, who would be his apprentice and be the prophet in Elijah's place. These people would help him out. It wouldn't be that he was alone. And if anybody escaped the sword of Hazael, Jehu would get him. If anybody escaped Jehu's sword, Elisha would get him. And God would support and uphold and strengthen his prophet, his man of God, Elijah. You know, when we are discouraged, it's so important to know 
that we're not alone. And it's so important to get back into the game and to do something. Just get back involved in life. Sometimes just doing something that we know is good. Go mow the lawn. Go do the dishes. Go visit a neighbor that's sick or go to the rescue mission and serve a meal. Do something. But get yourself back into the game. And even that will begin to pull you out of the slough of despond. I hope that this helps you. I take great encouragement from the example of Elijah here. Now, some people are hard on those who suffer discouragement or depression. Their attitude is sort of buck up. What's wrong with you? You know, and they start telling you all the things that they have suffered and how they've overcome and pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps. You know, and such people have the gift of being salt on a wound. But I'm sure that that is one talent the Lord would not mind if they buried. But God, on the other hand, is compassionate toward his weary and broken servants. It is said of Jesus that a bruised reed he will not break, a smoking flax he will not quench. The New Living Translation says he will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. If you feel that rather than standing tall, you're hunched over, rather than shining brightly, your porch light is flickering, then come to the one who is humble and gentle in heart. He won't condemn you. He won't reject you. But as a loving, compassionate father, he will encourage you and lift you up. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we'll see where Elijah passes his mantle to Elisha, just as the Lord tells him. Elisha then cuts all ties to follow his Elijah. It's a lesson in the cost of discipleship. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 1 Kings on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible